This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. This morning, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord and wisdom. And I I think uh, probably one of the most important understandings. Uh, of scripture and one of the most difficult things people people have as far as their understanding of scripture and, and their struggle with and their struggle with God's word and and how he's moving and what he's doing is that they don't understand the fear of the Lord they don't understand that that the fear of the Lord is a recognition of God's sovereignty it's a recognition that God is above us and the truth is the truth is that uh man has an innate and a deep innate desire to be in control, to to be in charge, to be the one who makes the decision, to be the one, and and that in in even little bitty children, it is a part of our sin nature to to uh, desire our own will and our own way in the midst of whatever's going on in the world around us and in our life. But Psalm uh, one twenty eight says this: "Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord." The word fear there is the word. Uh, <clears throat> it's the word. To be terrified, to be terrified in the presence of something so much bigger and greater than you that you can't imagine being in the presence of anything else. That it it almost makes you want to shrink and to run away from it. One of the funny stories of my raising children is we went to we went to Disney World and my nephew went with us and Brett and his family and uh, Jackson was there and he wanted to see. At Disney World, he wanted to see Rafiki. He wanted to see him so bad. That's the, uh, that's the, I don't know what kind of monkey he is, but he's from The Lion King and he's one of the main characters. And anyway, he's one that's got the pretty multicolored, I think, I don't know, he's got something multicolored on him. Anyway, and he is, he was one of the main characters that Jackson, boy, Jackson just, he wanted to see that Rafiki. He was just not, his life was not going to be worth having. If Jackson didn't see Rafiki and we and we went to Animal Kingdom and we hadn't seen I think Animal Kingdom was our second uh, place we'd gone that week. And uh, we went to the petting zoo and you had to ride a train out to the petting zoo. And if you've ever been to Disney World, a lot of people even miss that. They don't ever ride that train out there. And it's a wonderful little area. It's got a petting zoo and all kinds of stuff out there that's really great for little chill, little children. When we get into the building out there that's uh, set up for, I, I think there was a ride inside of it or something like that. And anyway, down the corridor, about 50 yards, maybe 40, 50 yards, was Rafiki. He walked out with his handler, and, and he's tall. Some the guy that was the Rafiki guy had to be about six foot six, six foot seven. Uh, big old boy. Jackson's, you know, he's three, four years old, maybe five. And and you just have to know Jackson when we were with him. Jackson, whenever he did anything up until the age of about twelve or thirteen, he did it at lightning fast speed. Meaning, whatever he did, he just took off. And sometimes he'd just take off like a bullet off to do something, to jump on something, be something, and you keep up with him. It's like you had to have an army of people to keep up with him. He takes off for Rafiki because he sees him off in the distance. 
and you watch him running. And I'm talking about Jackson could fly when he was little and he, he's flying toward Rafiki. And then all of a sudden he gets about 15 feet from him and he realizes Rafiki's huge six foot seven, six foot six, six foot seven dude up in this thing. And he, he stops, looks and turns around and runs faster back toward us. I'm talking about crying like you would not believe because he was scared to death. He was scared to death because he didn't expect Rafiki. He thought Rafiki on the screen was a whole different Rafiki than in person. And the God that we think of in our own mind and our own heart is a whole different God than the who, he, who, who he really is in scripture and in reality. Because God is full. He literally with his mouth spoke into existence all that we know of and all that we don't know of. He spoke it into existence with the breath of his mouth. That's, that's who our God is. Our God, our God was able to become one of us and die on a cross and raise himself up from the dead. He is able to make universes in an instant and yet be intimate with us and know us personally. Now, listen, that is a fabulous, unbelievable understanding of God. It also requires you to logically go to the place where you understand that God is everything and you are literally nothing. You are absolutely nothing in his presence. You are nothing in his presence. Okay. It's, the only reason you're anything is because he loves you. That's the only reason you have any value at all. In fact, all the value that you have is derived from God's love for you, because without his love for you, you are lower than dust. You are nothing. And when he says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, understanding the absolute sovereign power and position of God in all of creation. And when you understand that's who God is and understanding who you are in, in, in contrast to who he is, understanding that is the fear of the Lord, uh, that he is, he is powerful, mighty, and great way beyond anything that you will ever imagine until you're before him and your brain works at 100% capacity and you're able to at, at last really understand the fullness of who he is and the fullness of the grace and mercy and love and power and might and holiness and wrath that comes from who he is. You don't really even have a clue who he is. And the truth is the angels have been living with him for forever and ever, and they still don't understand aspects of him because they don't understand his mercy and grace because they haven't experienced his mercy and grace. They don't know it like we do. They watch us to understand. And so when you come to the understanding of how enormous, how great, how sovereign God actually is, when you come to a full understanding of who he is and how he operates and how he works, then, and only then, do you have the fear of the Lord. And what keeps, and I've learned this, I've learned this, if you're around a person who cannot grasp the sovereignty of God, who struggles with the sovereignty of God, their knowledge of God is almost 
finite to nothing. And I've been around that a, a, a lot in my life. I, this whole thing about God being in charge and all that. And then they'll give you the most basic platitude, Sunday school, fifth grade Sunday school analogy about who God is. They'll give you just almost nothing about who he is. And the reason that is, is because they refuse to recognize, they refuse to recognize his rightful position in the universe and his rightful position in their heart and in their mind. They refuse to recognize that. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and wisdom is the knowledge and understanding and seeing, seeing the world and his creation from God's perspective. I can't see the world and the universe I can't see his creation from his perspective and from his understanding, which is reality and truth. The way God sees things is reality. The way I see things is oftentimes an illusion of my own mind. It's, it's the desires of my own mind that move me out of the way, that move that move God out of the way and try to set me myself up as God. That's the what is the ugly part about this is that if God's not sovereign in your life, then you know who is sovereign? You. You're trying to be sovereign. You're trying to be in control. You're trying to be the one who's in charge. And when we're dealing with the sovereignty of God, when we understand the sovereignty of God, when we see that, then, then all of a sudden it's possible that we can actually come in and see the universe, see God's creation, see the things going on around us. We can see those things going on around from a real reality perspective, which is God's perspective. And then we have wisdom. That's what wisdom is. Well, without the fear of the Lord, without the understanding of his enormous sovereignty and our almost nothingness. See, the thing is that you want a piece of his throne and your sinful nature wants a piece of his throne. I, I'm going to tell you, that's what's going on when that happens in somebody's life. You want to say, I can, you just like the devil, I'm going to rise up and ascend up to Mount Zion and sit on that throne. What you're saying is, I want to be God. And let me tell you something. The only reason you even think that's possible is because you don't have the fear of the Lord and you don't have any wisdom. And, and if you had the fear of the Lord and you had wisdom, you would realize that is not possible. You can't ascend to that throne. You can't be God. And you're not. And when you realize that, then all of a sudden you put yourself in a place where, oh, so I've got to see it from his perspective. I've got to trust in him only. I've got to serve him only. I've got to, I've got to see things the way he sees them and not the way I see them. And then boom, all of a sudden life is made available to you. Because it's not like God's hiding it from you. It's not like he's sitting up there on that throne set apart from you. He's intimate. What makes him so wonderful is he's that great and that intimate. He's that powerful and that beyond all we could ever imagine. And yet he's very personal. And so that even makes him even more enormous. And when you understand that, when you literally re release yourself to know that about God. When you do that, and you know, the, I'm not talking in the abstract, I'm talking about in the very personal, in, in the deep part of your soul. When you, in the deep part of who you are, release yourself and realize that I'm nothing and God's everything, 
Boy, it opens the door to all the grace and mercy that God has for you, to all the love that God has for you, to all the purpose God has for you. And then, yes, you are a king and a priest before him. Why? Because he made you that. He does have hope and life for you. Why? He He, he made that for you. He, he desired that for you. And see, all of a sudden in life, you're beginning to realize that all that I have and all that I am comes from him. And he deserves my praise. And see, then that changes the way you worship on Sunday morning. That changes the way you walk on Monday morning. It changes the way you treat your family and your friends on Saturday morning. It is a life-changing experience to actually come to face with a holy God. He says, bless everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, because you cannot walk in his ways until you actually fear him. You cannot walk in his ways until you recognize his unique and sovereign position in your life. You cannot do that. You will not do that. And then you will see things from such a rudimentary, the Holy Spirit just ain't going to show, the Holy Spirit just cannot show you anything when you have the pride in yourself to think you in some way are, are in some way comparable to God because you are not. He says, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Why? Because you actually realize that the work that is coming from your hands is provided for by God and you're going to be happy. And he says, and you shall, and it'll, it'll be good with you. It'll be well with you. I, oftentimes, lots of people say this to everybody you meet. If you, they say, how are you doing? And, and in the South, we say, we doing good. We doing good. We, but that's actually grammatically incorrect. It is we're doing well. And to do well means to means to, to be walking with God in his provision and his best. He says, when you eat of your labor, when see, when my labor comes from him, when my labor is initiated by his hand, then it has purpose and meaning. When I, my labor is initiated by my will and my hand, it has no purpose and meaning. Do you understand that? I know that's so difficult to get. I realize that. And I'm not trying to be uh, hard this morning. It is difficult to get. It, it to, to The realization that when the Holy Spirit guides my steps and my day, then what I do is well. And when the Holy Spirit is left out because I somehow think that I'm a I'm autonomous from him. When I start thinking that way, that my la I, I labor in vain. That's what the last Psalm said. If the workman, if he doesn't labor in the Lord, he labors in vain. He, he does. Your work is worthless without him. And any good thing you do is a filthy rag before him. And if I described what that filthy rag was, you'd realize how terrible it really is. You, you are nothing without him. He says, notice, it, when that happens, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine and the very heart of your house. And that's a good thing, too, for men to hear. I, we read it in the context of her having a lot of children, but it also is just the context of her being fruitful toward you. When you have a man who re actually realizes who God is and who he's not, and he's following the Holy Spirit, a woman can love that. 
there's something about that that a woman can is, is attracted to. And let me tell you something. He says she's gonna be fruitful. She because her labor becomes good because your labor's become good. You're the head of the house, you're the spiritual head of the house. When you're the spiritual head of the house, doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're being who you're supposed to be, when you're when you recognize how little you are and how great God is, and you need to be in the midst of doing his work and his will, when you're in the midst of doing that. You know what? She becomes a fruitful vine. And in the very heart of your house, your children, like olive plants, notice they're just growing everywhere. Uh, they're growing. They're just becoming more than you could imagine. And olives are a, a picture of the power and the peace of God, the power that comes with the peace of God. Matt asked the question. I hear Christians say, we need to pray and call up, call down heaven. And they, are they in fear when they say that that and trying to take a piece of his throne? No, if it, that, that's the problem with the, some sayings that we have nowadays, especially when we maybe take just a very verse of scripture and take it in, in and use it in everything rather than the actual context it's written in. I don't know your heart when you say, I'm going to call down heaven. Because heaven does live inside of me. The kingdom of God is inside of me. So I, I, can't, I do have the right to ask God to come down. I don't have the right to ask God to come down because I've done something wonderful and I, I deserve God to come down. I have the right to ask God to come down because he gave me that. And, and, and see, understanding that when I approach the throne of grace with boldness, I don't walk up there boldly because I deserve to walk up there boldly because I've attained to something. I walk to the throne of grace boldly because he made me. Uh, 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 great before him. And so I ought to walk up before him in the boldness that comes from him. And so understanding the understanding of that and see, so I, so when somebody says thing, something like that to me, I, I have no context to know whether or not that's something that they're saying in a very, in a very haughty or proud way, or whether they're saying it in a actual fundamental understanding that God's sovereign and he's in charge. And I, I can't answer that question. I, I would imagine it has to do with the individual. It, it has to do with where you, what are your actual views? I do know this, that somebody who, and oftentimes we go through deep, deep struggles in our lives and deep issues we face in our life. And the reason we go through those things is for God to prove to us that we're not in control of a cotton picking thing. And, and that's a Southern phrase. We're not in control of anything and not being in control of anything. We realize that we've got to have someone who actually is in control. And then once we assent to that control, once we give into God's authority and his position, then we become powerful and we speak boldly and powerfully and we speak with purpose and passion. And we could say something like that, call down to the, in this situation. But I'm doing it not because I'm not doing it from the perspective that I'm something special. I'm doing it from the perspective of I realize that who God is and how great he is and how little I am. Now, could, could that said, be said with pride? Absolutely. Is it going to call down heaven if it's said with pride? No, not at all. And you just never I, I don't know what I don't know what they mean by that. And if they if it's in their heart that God is sovereign and control and over all things, and that we're just nothing, we're dust before him, and we need him to show up because we can't do it on our own, and we realize that he is going to show up. If it's done that way, I, I'm quite sure heaven's going to show up because that's a that's from wisdom, and it's from faith, and it's it would be something that would be initiated better by the Holy Spirit, and you just don't ever know, but never know what's in the heart. Sometimes people say things, sometimes, sometimes 
sometimes people say things to sound spiritual, and sometimes people say things because they are spiritual. <laughs> and, and I praise God that it's really not for me to decide. It's for me to love and to, to continue to use my gifts and hopefully empowered by the Holy Spirit and to love people wherever I meet them and wherever they're at and give them the grace that God afforded me. And I can never give him anybody the grace that he afforded me because the grace he afforded me is far more than I can ever imagine. And so he says, he says, he says, uh, behold, thus shall be the man, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Thus shall the man be blessed. It's easier with my glasses. That fears the Lord bless you out of Zion. Notice God blesses you out of his kingdom's throne. That's what it's saying here. He blesses you from that place we were talking about earlier. And may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And from that question, Matt, should we see the good of Jerusalem? Should we see the good of God's kingdom all the days of our lives? We should. And could we call that down into our lives? Absolutely, we could, as long as we understand that the reason and the very right to ask for derives completely from God and not from us. He says, you may, yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And that's the promise of being a grandparent. And uh, God wanting, God uh, desiring for those who, who fear him and who walk in him to see their children's children. And uh, my dad even uh, claimed that. And he rightfully, because he saw every one of his grandchildren. He, he didn't miss out on seeing a single one of them. And uh, he claimed that in his life. And I, I hope to claim that in my life. I, I want to see my all my grandchildren. I hope hopefully see some of my great-grandchildren. And my father did not get to see great-grandchildren, but he did get to see grandchildren. I think that was a fulfillment of his promise that he grabbed hold of and accepted. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.